Welcome to the Jenny Katrin Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Foresight. At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Please enjoy the rest of our show. Welcome back to the podcast. I am excited today about my guest. I'm always excited about my guest. But today's guest is one of those people who every time I'm with her, life just feels a little bit better. I tend to drop my shoulders a little bit, remember that to find the joy in life and also occasionally get pelted with a, you know, a probing question or so to get me thinking. But Annie F. Downs is just one of the people that I truly respect, admire, and have the privilege of calling friend. And uh, I'm so excited she's joining us today. Annie, you probably are familiar with, she's a best-selling author, nationally known speaker, podcast host of That Sounds Fun podcast, which is really fun, and uh, is the best-selling author of several books, including her most recent book, Remember God, a hundred days to brave, looking for lovely, and the list goes on. But um, my signature uh, thing that I love about Annie is she likes anything that sparkles, like glitter, confetti. Isn't that right, Annie? That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, anytime I see like a sparkly nail polish, like I immediately think of you. Oh, thanks. It's true. <laughs> You're right. This is going great so far, Jenny. Right, right. Uh, the guys are already starting to disconnect, but please don't because um, Annie is. In a, Annie's audience tends to, um, you know, we tend to you tend to connect with a lot of women. But one of the things I love about you is there's like a hidden leader in you, and hidden's not even the right word, right? I think a lot of people like see your writing and uh, your podcast, and you know, just the multiple things that you're doing, but. Often behind, I mean, behind the scenes is this person who is leading a company and uh, leading people and influencing people in remarkable ways. And of course, that's what I want to highlight today because I love that side of who you are. Uh, and anyway, so I just, I, I'm, I'm excited for people to get to know that side of Annie Downs. So welcome to the, to the podcast today. Uh, thanks for having me, Jenny. That was a very sweet introduction. I'm really grateful. So fun. Well, I want to kind of kick off our conversation. So just to give everybody context, you and I, 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 I'm bad with years, but we've known one another for a number of years. We were both part of the same church in Nashville, Cross Point Church, yep. where you still are uh, on the teaching team there. And I remember like one of my very, my most distinct memories of our early introduction was we went to coffee together, tea for me. Actually, we both yes. probably had tea. Both of us had tea. Yeah, that's right. We totally did. This is another reason I love you. But we, we, and I couldn't remember the exact, I could, I could find the coffee shop we were at, but I couldn't remember the name of it. But what I distinctly remember about that conversation is you were considering quitting your day job to pursue writing full time. So you had written some things and you were kind of pursuing that track, but you were on the brink of saying, you know what, I think I'm going to walk away from my full time obligations and really commit to writing. And I remember being so excited for you, like proud of you, like, like inspired by your bravery and the leap of faith, you know, just the faith and the courage of that step. And like now in hindsight, we're like, oh my gosh, that decision made so much sense. But um, yeah, is, am I remembering that right? Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, the funny thing about that is, is that looks like an A to B story where like, okay, she decided to go after this, but the thing that is never, and you know, this is true too, but I just like to always remind people that there are so many things that failed along the way. Oh, (laughs) sure. So many no's and so many rejections and so many things that didn't go easily. But yeah, for sure. I mean, 
I, I'm kind of in that spot again, where I'm kind of thinking of building some new things. And it's like, well, what if this doesn't work? And it's like, well, yeah, of course, it, not everything's going to work. But yeah. you know, when you're supposed to take the next right step, and I just knew. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, you know, the thing that stood out to me is that in that moment, that season, you know, I think a lot of leaders face those courageous moments of like key decisions. But I would love for you to even unpack that a little more of like, what got you to that point? What did you face when you took that leap? Because I think, again, I think a lot of people see, yeah, like you said, the A to B. And the reality is there was a lot in between a lot that led up to that decision. And then a lot that's happened that people don't see behind the scenes. So I think just even a little insight there would be super helpful. Yeah, for sure. I think the the thing that I have learned being, I, this has been my full-time job for seven years. I've been pursuing writing and speaking and kind of this career path since 2008. I wrote my first book in 2006. Mm -hmm. So it has been a full 13 year journey so yeah. far. And one of the things I know now in year 13 that I will hopefully have so much more to learn in the next 30, 40 years. But what I know now is that um, the rejections are just part of the story that are really necessary. Yeah. When you are trying to figure out who to partner with or who to um, publish books with or who to be your agent or where to speak at conferences and, and these kind of things, it, it really helps when you treat the no's and the rejections like, um, like street signs mm -hmm. and like direction givers versus uh, personal rejections. Uh -huh. and just yeah, kind of yeah. go like, oh, this is really helpful. That was not the right publishing partner for me. I'm so thankful that that is narrowed down for me, yeah. you know, versus like, oh, nobody wants me and this isn't going well. And I mean, I think it's true and it's true relationally, it's true professionally that you can appreciate the rejections if you put them in their proper place and their proper place is their, their direction givers. Oh, that's so good. Cause you're right. We do, especially when we're doing something that is more personal in nature, like speaking sure. and writing where that work is so distinctly a part of us. Sure. That, you know, like you said, those rejections can feel incredibly personal, but I love that perspective because I think that's where a lot of us get stuck, right? Or we, we, we are afraid of taking another leap or taking another risk because we see that as personal rejection versus like you said, like a road sign, like it's just kind of helping right. give us some direction. And sure. It's that. certainly, I mean, you know me well enough. It certainly doesn't mean I don't feel things or that, that right. things don't feel uh, when there, when a rejection happens or you have an event that doesn't go the way you want it to, or even a Sunday morning where you feel like, man, I gave my all to that outline and to prepping. And that feels like it didn't connect like I wanted it to. And, and all that will feel true. And that it can be both things at the same time. It can be directional and personal. You mm -hmm. just have to lean on, okay, this matters and this direction matters and, and see what God has for you in that lesson, I think. Yeah. Well, and that kind of speaks to one of the things I appreciate about you is the the commitment to like self-leadership and self-awareness. So both of us are Enneagram yeah. junkies, right? Yes, yes. And you're an Enneagram seven, correct? Oh, so hard. I'm an Enneagram 7 so hard. <laughs> like, like I even needed to ask or clarify that right, question. Right, right, right. Uh, but this, so that is actually quite true of you, that that like a rejection or a disappointment, like you're, by your nature, you're going to be inclined to like resist the pain of that. Right? Oh my gosh, yeah. In, in history, uh, rejection professionally or personally could have me run from the opportunity altogether. Mm -hmm. You know, like if 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 I have a bad edit, come back on a book, I can just go, you know what? Forget it. Let's not do the book. 
Like, right. I, it's fine. It's fine. It's just not do the book. Or if someone critiques some of my speaking, I just go, well, then I just shouldn't do it at all. You know? Sure. And yeah. just because I'm not, there are some personality types that really love feedback. Like I'll listen to Pastor Kevin at, here at Crosspoint in between services and he'll say, okay, you guys, and he'll gather a few of us around and go, okay, let's make it better. Uh-huh. And I'm always like, oh man, I want to feel that way in between services. Right? Right. <laughs> but I don't, I want to be like, it was awesome, right? Everything was perfect, right? We're going to do it just like that again, right? Uh-huh. But the attitude I want to have going in between services, okay, let's make it better. And that's what I'll say, whether I feel it or not. Like I'm preaching right. on Sunday. And what I'll say, whether I feel it or not is, okay, help me make it better. What can we do better? And, um, and that is not my personality. That is my choosing to grow in ways that is not easy, that are not easy for me. Oh, that's good. So you, you don't let the, that Enneagram seven part of you that wants to resist pain. You don't allow that to be an excuse. Like you're deliberately saying, okay, no, I know I need to continue to grow through this. Well, I try. I do yeah. the best I can. Yeah, I certainly try. It certainly is the goal to be like, okay, could we could we learn and could we be different? Could I grow from this versus run from this? Yeah, yeah. Do you like, so I, I, I kind of key in on that because I think that's so important. I think I'm a big fan of, you know, one of the building blocks for great leadership is self-awareness, right? We have to know ourselves to lead others better. Like we have to lead ourselves well, lead others better. And, you know, and so I think that that willingness to take those hard looks and understand, okay, I'm rejecting this thing that could be a growth opportunity for me, but right. like my nature wants to reject it. And I hear you saying, okay, I'm paying really close attention to that. And I'm, I'm choosing to say, okay, I want to keep growing in this. I know that receiving feedback would make me better, would make what I'm teaching better for those who are hearing are there times when you know, okay, I'm too, I'm too, um, maybe I don't have fragile is the right word, but I'm, I'm just a little too sensitive today to be able to take it. And you know that you shouldn't open yourself up for feedback. Like how do you discern when to push yourself and when to right. go, okay, I need to be kind to myself here. Cause I know that I, I, I'm not quite ready for it. Right. So let sense? me give a writing example and a preaching example. So for writing wise, when I'm writing my first draft, when I'm just getting it out of my head and I send it to my agent, all I want her to tell me is how wonderful I am. But sure. I tell her that from the beginning. Oh, smart. So yeah. I turned in Let's All Be Brave, my book a couple of years ago. Um, when I turned in Let's All Be Brave, I said to my editor, just tell me, don't tell me if it's good or bad. Just tell me if you think I worked hard. Because uh-huh. I was like, all I need is the feedback that like, Annie, this isn't a good book, but I know you worked really hard. We'll make it good. Right. So, so for me, the first draft part of a book is not when I need, when I'm writing the first draft is not when I handle, um, is when I'm too fragile. It's when I'm That's too fragile great. to handle yep. rough pushback. When we are in the editing phase of the book, that is exactly what is supposed to happen there. So it doesn't matter how I feel. Uh-huh. The same uh-huh. is true for preaching and teaching in a little bit of a flip-flop way where like, so I teach today's Thursday. I teach on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Today, no matter how I feel about my outline, today is the day that me and the teaching team will make it better. Right. And in between the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m., we'll refine it. In between the 11 and the 1, we'll refine it. By the time I'm finished with the 5.30 service, there is no negative feedback that will be good for me. There is right. no, you should have yeah. done this better. You could have done this better. That by, by the end of the 5.30, I just need everyone to tell me I'm the greatest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> right? I love it. People to tell me that I worked hard. And they, I mean, I don't really need them to tell me, you know me, I'm just kidding. But I really do. All I need after the 5.30 is for, is for people to go, 
I bet you're tired. Well done. You, you reached four times today and you did well. Now, if I ever decide this talk that I'm, this sermon I'm doing on Sunday, if I ever decide to travel that and teach it at another stage, mm-hmm. then I will want people to help me refine it again. But right. the time to refine a talk is the day before, after the first time, and that's it. Right. Not by the end of that day. Right. Yeah. But there's some personalities who are like, hey, no matter what, I don't care when it is, tell me how it can be better because I can always improve. And I'm like, uh, I don't I don't need that anymore. But I've learned my I mean, like I said, Jenny, this has been my full time job for seven years. I have learned what when it is helpful to receive feedback, when it is not helpful, and the line where I have to push myself between the two. That's so good. Well, and part of what I want everybody listening to capture in that is that, you know, I think as leaders and you know, we just have a tendency to uh, either we completely just, we, we push ourselves to feedback all the time. I've seen leaders do this where they feel like they're supposed to invite feedback. That's a humble posture. It's a teachable spirit. It's a, all those things, but sometimes to their detriment, you know, where, yeah. and then, or we swing to the other side and we're just like, no, I just do my thing. And, you know, hope it's great because I can't handle the feedback. And, well, I think- and also there are some people, there are some, I know some teachers and preachers who will say, well, God's given me this outline. Right. So I will yeah. just teach it. And you're like, whoa, man or woman, like yeah. need, there is wisdom in having other people walk Come through on. what you've done together so that, so that they can say, yes, God, this exact outline is right here. And other times people go, oh, you didn't even finish that sentence in your outline. This isn't, you know, like you, you, you didn't finish that point or whatever. And so it, it is learning yourself and having people that you, I mean, I had coffee with a friend yesterday, Jenny, and I said, all I need you to do Sunday night is ask me if I'm okay and tell me I did good. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't need you to show up. I don't need you to, you know, like mm-hmm. you got to have some of those people who, who, while they have the wisdom to critique, don't necessarily, they know your heart and they know what you need the most. It'd be your closest people, your spouse, your dating, your best friends that you say like, Hey, just like hold me up, you know, when I'm done with this piece of work, whatever it is, whether it's a book or a sermon or, you know, whatever you're working on. Yeah. Um, And you just need those people that, so you got to have both. You got to have people that tell you the truth. You know, you know who I, I mean, Matt Singleton at Crosspoint mm-hmm. is going to tell me the truth about an outline and he is going to make it better as many times as I'll let him make it better because he's yeah. so gifted at it. Yeah. And it, it, it hurts every time to me because <laughs> I want Matt to tell me how much he loves me. Right. right for sure. But for sure. He, he is doing it because what matters more than my tender, my tender pride is the people that show up at all of our campuses every week. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he and loves he- them. Yeah. And he loves you. I mean, you know, so you and I both have worked with Matt and and like he's doing it because he's thinking of the bigger picture and every person who's going to be influenced by what you say. And he loves you and them enough to say, I'm going to, I'm going to give you feedback. I'm going to coach. That's right. I'm going to, you know, that's who I need him to be. He's not the person on Sunday night that needs to check in with me and make sure I'm okay. Good. And he does, but, but I know his role is to make me better. And I have other people that are here to help me carry what, what it requires of you to preach on a Sunday that a lot of your listeners, a lot of my friends do every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. And part of what I'm hearing through all of this too, that I think is just such great wisdom for us to, to gather from this is that you are not a lone ranger. I mean, I think sometimes people can make the assumption that writer, speaker, you know, like you, you you know, you're kind of just one woman show doing your thing and you are not like you have put yourself 
in relationships where people have a voice, they give feedback and you, and then, and you also know what voices you need. And I think this is really important. I often tell leaders that, um, you know, again, you have to lead yourself well. Nobody is watching out for you, especially when you're in the like the senior leadership seat of an organization. And for yourself, you are the head of Downs Books, right? Like, I mean, right. you are. And if you don't invite people to give you feedback, you know, you like nobody else is going to do that for you unless you get to a unhealthy place and somebody has to do it for you. So when you're in a senior leadership seat, you have to be intentional to put people around you to say, hey, I need this voice here. I need this voice here. I need this person to play this role. I need this person to play this role and, and, and have multiple, you know, we we're designed for community. We're designed to have that influence from multiple people in our life. And you're demonstrating that just even in this conversation of you've put yourself, there's a humility in the posture of saying, I'm going to put myself in a place where people are giving me feedback and, uh, and, but you also know what you need when you need it to help you kind of thrive again, according to what you know about yourself. So powerful. I think this is true for a lot of your listeners. It's true for me too, that the the way you learn all this, the way you learn what you need when you need it is by doing it wrong, right? It's by having it where you go. I, I, I have taught enough times and not had people afterwards be near to me and have really suffered in my own head. You know, sure. of like, was that good? Was it bad? Was it, what do people think? Oh, I should have done this differently when I'm like, no, I just need a friend to, I, we just need to like go to the movies or right. we just need to like go to dinner and talk about every other thing besides teaching, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. I've only learned that because I've been on both sides of that. And so what I bet is true for most of our friends listening is they have, they are refining, like I'm refining what they need from, from their people when they are doing the work they're called to do. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And again, it all goes back to that element of self-awareness. I personally like you like the Enneagram. It's been a great tool for me and just understanding yeah. those core motivations. You know, what, what are the fears that motivate me? What are, you know, how am I wired? And, you know, just using that to help me have greater understanding of how can I, how do I lead myself well, you know, so I can do this thing that I feel like God has called me to. Yep, so good. That's exactly right. Uh, talk for a minute about, uh, you know, I, I want people to hear a little bit more about your writing and, I think at least my experience of your writing is it often is a reflection of your journey. Um, most recently you wrote, remember God. And I think you had me in tears, which, you know, I'm not much of a crier. So I'm reading, remember God and just being so struck by like the, the nature of your journey of, of uh, you you wrote that kind of over a year. Isn't that right? Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. it's It's about a 11 month journey, start to finish. Yeah. So give us, I'd love for people to get just a little bit more insight in that, because I think one of the things I appreciate about you is that, that, you know, the, the journey that you're on with God, you're, you're pretty honest, you're pretty candid about. And uh, in that particular book, I just felt like was so, so powerful and so beautiful. So for those of you who have not checked it out, you need to get it, but give us a little more insight into that book in particular. Yep. You know, the thing that I feel pretty clear about, and again, this is, I mean, it's kind of fun to talk from a place of like, um, of being young in this, but not brand new in this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for people um, to, to know their lane and to know what they're really called to. Mm-hmm. And for me, a lot of what God has asked me to do is to tell my story from my point of view and let him 
use the words to connect him to people in their own lives. And so every no one's story is going to look just like mine. But what I keep feeling called to the last couple of books has been like, okay, just tell your story and, yeah. and trust me to connect the dots where they need to connect. And, and so that's what Remember God is, is it really was this journey I had to go on, Jenny, and you lived so much of it with me, but I had to figure out whether I thought God was kind mm-hmm. and whether his kindness was something that was real and true or whether it was something I had just always believed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I think that's the center of Remember God was when circumstances are telling you one thing, can you remember who God really is? Yeah. And, and it's been, it has been really sweet, Jenny, in a way that has never happened before. This is my eighth book. And in a way that has never happened before, people are mailing letters telling me their stories, men and women writing these like extended pages of letters saying like, when you told your story, it made me want to tell my story. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I love that that's the kind of feedback you're getting to it because it was, and, and, and you said something, you know, that in, especially in these last couple of books that you felt like God was saying, just tell your story. And the, the, uh, the authenticity of that, of recognizing, okay, I need to do the thing that God has called me to do. Because again, I think we're all, we all talk about this, the comparison of trying to measure up to what everybody else is doing and kind of figure out, okay, right. And should I be doing that? Should I be doing this? You know, you and I've talked about this before, but because I'm a woman speaking to leadership more in a business and, uh, you know, like senior leadership type of environment, I end up as kind of this odd duck in the middle of, you know, I don't often fit with some of my female counterparts in the writing and the speaking space. I'm not one of the dudes. And, you know, and so a lot of times that has been conflicting for me to go, how do I how do I, how do I just be comfortable with the uniqueness of this calling? And I think all of us have that to some degree. Uh, but I love that you're, you're experiencing this overflow of you just being incredibly intentional about doing the thing that you feel like God has called you to. Uh, so let's talk for a minute about how you view your role as a leader in the, in the lives of those you influence, because, you know, I think, you know, author, speaker, teacher, um, you know, like, yeah, I love your perspective on how you view your role as a leader in, uh, in your, in your work. Yeah. I mean, I think that is, I think my leadership has two faces. Well, it has actually probably three faces. It has the outward. Um, I'm leading by what I'm telling you. I'm leading by the words you're hearing me say. I'm leading by what you're listening to on the podcast, what you're listening to from stages and what you're reading in books, um, and what you're watching on Insta story. Mm-hmm. And then I also think I lead um, uh, by example. What people not only watch me Insta story, they watch that I don't Insta story on Wednesdays because they know that's my Sabbath day. Sure. And so I am, which is hard for me, Jenny. You know me. I want to like be online all the time, and I don't want to take a day off. And people, I, I'm pretty open about the struggle it is for me to work Sabbath into my week and really mm-hmm. observe it well. Good. And but people see that, and so there is this like example, uh, leadership. That's just me doing my everyday life, which means I don't always do it right. I don't always do it well, but, but that is true. And, and that's leadership. And then the third phase I would say is internal leadership of myself and my company and my faith walk that, that 
that decides how the other two play out. And so for me, the leadership, I am constantly in leadership and it is so exhausting. It is for everyone. I mean, that's the truth about leadership is it is, it is significantly easier and less rewarding to be a follower than to be a leader. Um, But I I feel like my leadership shows up most in those three areas. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's so good. And here's what I love about that because, you know, I think sometimes we think of leadership as a position or power or something like that. And I think, you know, just even as you described it being, you know, hard and exhausting. And, you know, I think when we really grasp a healthy view of it, you know, so leadership at its, at its base is influence. Maxwell would say leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. I think how we steward that influence really determines the trajectory or the, the integrity of our leadership. And when we realize by definition, influence means the power to change or affect someone. And that's one of the things I value so much about you is I think you really grasp the significance of the influence that you have, you know, as you're thinking, I mean, just the fact that you're thinking about, okay, people know that Wednesday is my Sabbath. And if I, and I am, you know, I'm, I'm honest about the struggle of being real, you know, honoring of a Sabbath and knowing that if I just jump on Insta story, because I, you know, I just want to, you know, and I kind of am cheating yep. on my Sabbath a little bit. They'll chew me up, man. They will yes. chew me up. The followers. Yeah. They don't play around. I mean, if they think that I am Insta story while I'm driving a car, <laughs> the internet police lose their mind, you know, <laughs> right? I yes. mean, they are watching. I, I feel the same way though, Jenny. I watched a girl yesterday. I watched her Insta story and she was driving without a seatbelt. Oh and- gosh. Insta storing. And I was like, girl, we are all seeing this. What are you doing? Because we are, I mean, you, if you are creating content in any form that other people are taking in, they are taking in your leadership of the content and your leadership of how you present it. Totally. And so that does not stop. You know, we aren't listening to what you say if you're driving a car without a seatbelt and filming it yourself on your phone. Right. Yeah. I mean, you are modeling something and it's communicating, you know, everything we do as leaders is communicating to, you know, to others. And there's a sacredness to that responsibility of, okay, because I have a platform, because I have this influence. And when I say platform, I don't care if you have 20 followers or you have 200,000 followers. Like the fact that you have people who are, who are watching, learning and wanting to, 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 to learn from you means you have influence and there's a sacredness to that responsibility that, again, that's one of the things I really appreciate about you because I think you really get that, you understand that, and you, and you steward it so well. So thank you for that. I, want, I don't always, but I'm sure trying. And I notice it. I, I mean, I think half the battle is recognizing, yeah, that like, oh, that this is, this is not only, I don't care how good this content is, if my leadership in presenting it is wrong, then, then I need to stop and, and fix the leadership of my example. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Talk a bit about being the leader of your company because, you know, so I think this one yeah. kind of just snowballed into a thing and, mm-hmm. you know, now you have an organization to run, you've got to hire and fire employees, you know, like tell us a little bit about what that transition has been like, what it's been like to wear that kind of CEO hat. Yeah, I joke a lot that I um I did not know when I started writing books that I was signing up to run a business. Right. I just had no idea. And when I I went to the University of Georgia, go to Sikkim, mm-hmm. and I uh did not ever plan to 
I didn't take a single class on, on business. I studied to be an elementary school teacher. Right. And so I joke a lot that like, had the Lord said to me in college, Annie, take one business class. I would have listened. I listened to him in college. I wouldn't have understood, but I'd have paid attention, Uh but it just feels like he has, um, and, and so the solution of that is that in my lack of knowledge, God has given me people around me who are very knowledgeable. And, and I've invited a lot of people into this company, paid and unpaid, speaking into this, the business side of this. Yeah. But it is the, of all the pieces of my work, what keeps me up at night is how to run a business with full integrity and um, full of wisdom and generosity. That's what, uh, keeps me up at night. And, Mm -hmm. and so that is the part of leadership that I read the most about that I study the most about, you know, I, one of our mutual friends, actually, you led a group. I don't even know if you said, I don't think you said this at the beginning, but you led a group of us in 2011 and 12 Mm -hmm. of young female leaders at our church. And Christy Wright was in that group as well. Have you had her on your show yet, Jenny? I haven't. I need to. Yeah. Me too. She's so brilliant. But, you know, Christy's leadership, she leads me in a lot of ways where the way she leads business boutique and the way she teaches women how to run businesses, I learned so much from her. So I just bring in, um, I just bring in as much wisdom as I can and, and just, you know, siphon it off of other people in hopes that I can lead this company well, because you're right. I mean, there's a budget I have to keep and there's employees Mm -hmm. that I have to, um, care for and consider. And there's future that I have to think about, you know, I just don't get to look at what we're doing on Sunday here at Crosspoint. I got to think about 2020, 2021, 2025 and, and, and what God's asked us to do that distance. I mean, literally just this week, Jenny, I said to the Lord on Tuesday, I was like, I don't think I can handle all that you've asked me to handle. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just saying out loud to you. I'm not being, I'm not being like, I can't handle it. I'm like, God, I actually am not sure. I know how to do all these things. And super clear, the Lord was like, you don't, but I do. So just ask me. Yeah. And And I was like, okay, you're right. That's such the posture that I think sometimes we disconnect from, you know, is that, okay, we're not, he, he's, he, you know, he, he will equip us and he will put the people around us and we'll keep that posture of humility to know we don't have to personally figure it out, do it all. Obviously we need to be learning, growing, you know, doing everything we can to steward it. But then there's the, in, in partnership with the people he puts around us. So that's great. right. That's right. So but I mean, the, the thing he promises in scripture is that if we need more wisdom and we ask him for it, he will give it abundantly. And yeah. so I spend significant time <laughs> asking for an up an uptick in wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Well, let me ask you one, one last question to kind of round out our time. This is so sure. just so I love, I love your perspective on all this. It's so good. Uh, what advice do you, do you have for leaders today? You get to travel a lot. You see a lot going on in our culture and our world. Uh, what is, what does the world need from its leaders right now? I think I'm not going to use some of the buzzwords that we have floating around right now. I think what, what the world needs is for each leader to be fully themselves. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say authentic. I wouldn't say vulnerable, all that stuff, because all that is just a natural outflowing of a leader loving how God made them and mm-hmm. loving who they are. So the best thing I can do for the planet is be Annie and be fully Annie and be doing whatever it takes to step into how God made Annie and the lane that is specific for me. And what has he asked me to do? What is, what can I do on this planet that no one else can do? And for each leader to seek that out and 
find that and live in that space is what is going to change the world. People being, quote, authentic and vulnerable, all that's fine. Yes, we need to tell stories, but you won't do that if you don't know your lane because you won't know what story to tell. You'll just be trying to tell too much of your story thinking that means vulnerable and authentic. And the truth is, if you will just figure out your lane and tell the story that God has for you to tell, you won't be able to resist being vulnerable and authentic because you'll recognize that that is your lane and you are the only one who can influence people towards the gospel in your specific way. And that's what the world needs, I think. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I just, again, you know, I'm a fan um, and and have been, but also a friend and I'm grateful for your friendship and just your investment in me, but in your, your, your heart and your investment in so many, uh, I mean, I wouldn't even know this, the staggering number of people that you're influencing today. So thanks for stewarding that well and just being faithful to it. How can we best stay connected with you? Yeah. Well, first, Jenny, and you don't get to edit this out. You, what people need to know is that in 2012, when I didn't know if I could do this is when you gathered a group of us and said that we could. Mm -hmm. And so your leadership, the crown to be worn is yours, not mine. So I am, I'm very aware that you are, um, what's the sentence that there are gnats who stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. I am, I am most certainly a gnat in the story and you are the giant. I'm very grateful that you helped me Um, and continue to help me build this. So the best way to stay in touch with me, it's very easy. It's embarrassingly easy. Annie F. Downs, F as in fancy, everywhere. (laughs) Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, website is AnnieFDowns.com. All the books are at your favorite local bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Lifeway, wherever you love to get books. And um, you can find out where I'm speaking on my website. We have a speaking page. We keep updated. I'm only speaking the first half of 2019. And then I'm taking the back half of the year off from traveling and speaking. I'm going to be doing the rest of my job. But I felt like the Lord kind of made it real clear that um, the back half of this year was for being in Nashville and was for... You know, I've been traveling full time for seven years. It's yeah. time to let the fields rest. And, Good and for you. I feel like he's got something for me that we don't know yet. And he's gathering a crowd to see what he's about to do. So um, the first it. year I'll be out and about. And then I'll be out and about a little bit in some, in some form in 2020 again. Okay. And then the podcast is called That Sounds Fun. And it comes out every Monday and Thursday. Yes. So be sure to check all that out. We'll, we'll provide links in the show notes on uh, the Foresight website, but yes, AnnieFDowns.com. Make sure you follow along, follow Annie on Insta story because it is awesome and a good like dose <laughs> of like smiles throughout my day. So I love that. I adore you and so grateful for you. And thanks for being here. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please email Jenny at podcast at get the number four site.com. If this content has helped you in any way, we would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and on social networks. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing content coming from the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. Your comments mean the world to us, so please rate and leave comments on our podcast. And remember, you need foresight for success. We will see you next time.